Awesome. Morning, everyone. How are we today? Everyone feeling joyful? Anyone needing some more joy? That's me. Yeah. A few more people. That's cool. Um, yeah, so as Nick alluded to, we're in our um, Advent series of uh, going through peace, hope, joy, and love. And um, it's, it's, oh, it's, it's something I, I quite enjoy, a bit of joy. I think everyone does. And thankfully, the entire uh, context of what I've got has come from the Bible, which is obviously a good place to start. Um, but obviously from Philippians, which is known as the Book of Joy. Um, I was intrigued at the start of the series where Nick and Amy talked about peace, that uh, he brought up these four candles, which I'd never heard about before. And Joy was the only one that was the odd color. Um, Joy is the pink one, slowly burning in the back, this one here. Um, and I just went wanted to find out why. Uh, turns out that pink is actually the liturgical color for joy. And I just found out that liturgical just means a uh, fancy way of saying worship, because I didn't know what that meant. Um, the candle is attached to a Catholic saying, uh, which is in Latin, Gaudet in Semper Interim Deco. Um, and that is meaning rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice, which some of you may uh, recognize as one of Apostle Paul's, uh, the Apostle Paul's very famous lines from Philippians. Um, and as we talked about this morning, this verse is quite um, what Nick was going through with the Lectio Divina. Um, it actually also, oh, if we stay on that first slide for a sec, um, it also talks about, uh, it's known as also the shepherd's candle because of how much joy they experienced after feeling so much fear when the angel first arrived and sharing the good news of Jesus' birth and his arrival. Yeah, so next slide now. Um, so I wanted to make some distinctions between two words which our modern culture has kind of blended together, and that's happiness and joy. Um, as you can see there, happiness as it's actually defined as an emotion which is based on outcomes and circumstances. And then joy, in a biblical definition of it, is a feeling of great or good pleasure that is dependent or rooted in Jesus. Um, that's not to say that happiness is a bad thing. Happiness is actually a really wonderful thing to experience. It's just that it can be very short-lived and it can be quite fleeting and you can lose it very quickly. My experience, that, that comes when going to the toilet in the nighttime and stepping on Duplo down the hallway. <laughs> Or driving home from work and my kids have left their scooters and bikes in their driveway and had to get out and move them and then finish parking my car. Um, but the difference between that and joy is that you can experience joy at all times. In the small things, like I just explained, or in the big things, in the loss of a family member or in the loss of a job or just in something that is not good, um, joy can come for it because it comes from Jesus. Um, as I close and go through this today, I'm going to leave you with four kind of takeaways uh, which is all from Paul and out of Philippians as to his way of actually fighting for joy and a bit of encouragement for us all to implement them in some way into our lives. Um, so Paul, as the author of Philippians, is our prime example of how to live with joy. As if you didn't know, he writes this entire um, book from the cell of a Roman prison. Um, most people um, would assume that it's a great place where you wouldn't exper experience any joy at all. But in Paul's experience, he does, um, because his feeling of uh, great joy comes from being rooted in Jesus, and he's actually put there because of his faith in Jesus. Um, and as we all should, be, should know or be vaguely aware, it's quite easy to have your joy rooted in Jesus, because Jesus is ever constant. He is the same today, yesterday, and forever. So it's quite a um, stable foundation to rest your joy in. Uh, but as we have to fight for joy, as Paul says, it doesn't come naturally to us as humans. Uh, it's produced through the work of the Spirit. Um, otherwise, this world and our own, fle uh, selfish um, sorry, our own selfish ambition 
and flesh will take control and steal away our joy. Um, I have a video here from an interview with John Mark Comer and Tyler Stedden just alluding to this. You know, I quote that great Scandinavian intellectual in my book, um, Princess Elsa from Frozen. <laughs> I was thinking like, man, I don't know any Scandinavian intellectual. Uh, I'm going to pretend. Like, Dag, how do you pronounce his name? Yeah. That guy? Soren Kierkegaard? Uh, no. And, you know, she has that great line in that super annoying song that like, little girls in particular, the Western world over, are yeah. still singing, you know, it's no right, no wrong, no rules for me, I'm free. That is the Western understanding of freedom. No right, no wrong, no rules for me, I'm free. That is Ironically, Jesus called that exact thing enslavement. Slavery. Yeah. That is literally a great biblical theology that the New Testament calls slavery. Mm -hmm. um, because when you don't have right, wrong, rules for me, you actually end up not free to do whatever you want, but enslaved to the wants of your flesh. Yep. You know. Cool. Um, I found that really challenging, actually, because um, I find myself wanting uh, fleshly desires like lots of people, seeking after money or seeking after other things which in the end don't actually matter in any way. Um, and I always found it funny listening to that, um, that I know that song way better than I should as well. <laughs> but I'm, on my defense, I've got a six, seven-year-old daughter, so that, you know, if you know that and you don't have kids, I'm a bit worried for you. <laughs> um, but this clip, as he talks about, defines why our culture is lacking so much joy, is because we often and is prevalent everywhere um, that is our culture is buried in self and pleasing ourselves um, and what we're actually doing and that is falling prey to um, Jesus what is he describing slavery um, rather than abiding in him and according to his word um, the next slide talks about oh I've got two um, scriptures which kind of link to this which is in John 8 34 um, Jesus addressing the Pharisees and outlines the cost of living um, the way of the world says and truly truly I say to you everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin um, the slave does not remain in the house forever the son remains forever and in the next one John 15 5 says I am the vine you are the branches if you remain in me and I in you you will bear much fruit and apart from me you can do nothing um, both of those verses align with the commentary um, from John Mark and Tyler um, that choosing to do whatever we want, uh, in choosing to do whatever we want, we are unknowingly outworking modern slavery and putting a space between us and Jesus. Um, this outlines the need for us to be in communion like we've done this morning with Jesus um, and also the risks of actually not, um, not being with him. This verse here, I in particular quite like I forced myself to memorize it by making it a screensaver on my phone, given that I look at it so much, so I've memorized it. Um, but it, what it reinforced in doing so is that as the branches, we need to attach ourselves to the correct vine. Otherwise, the fruit that will be produced from it um, will not be fruits of the Spirit. They may be happiness, but they can change very quickly, which obviously leads me to ask you guys... Um, to think about for yourselves, rhetorical, obviously. What uh, what lead, uh, what is your vine uh, attached to? What what are you guys attached to? Where are you getting your sustenance and nutrients from? Um, because if we're attached to anything other than Jesus, the fruit that will grow will more often than not be very few in number and be very little in size. 
as I said, there can be happiness and those things are good. The only thing is that it can be spoiled very, very easily and change very quickly. And we want that long-lasting fruit that Jesus talks about. Um, fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. I think I've got them all there. That's, that's kids' church from when I was little. <laughs> um, so, but we have to fight for our branch to actually be attached to the correct vine that brings life and life to the full, which is Jesus, and not allow ourselves to be solely fed by other vines. Um, a verse that Livy and I talk about quite a lot, uh, as we paraphrase it, is to be living in the world and not of the world. Uh, this is a shortened description of uh, John 17, verse 13 to 15, which is there. It says, I'm coming to you now, but as I say these things, sorry, context, this is Jesus praying to God for the disciples before he goes back into heaven. Um, coming to you now, and I say these things while I'm still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. Uh, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. Um, in response to this, over history, there are two extremes um, to this verse. People can focus on two things, either um, avoiding the world altogether and retreating and not interacting with it in any way, or people overestimate their own willpower and get lost in the world and get taken up by it. Um, in my experience, I find it um, I find it very hard not to have my heart turned towards the world because the world is prevalent everywhere. Um, and to me in this verse, I believe that Jesus is actually saying that he intends to us, for us to be immersed in the world, however protected from being a product of it, which can only, be ha only happen when Jesus is our vine. And Jesus' prayer speaks to the protection that we need um, from the world, and one of his protection is his full measure of joy. Um, and I also, upon reading this a few times, I was blown away a little bit by the fact that Jesus is actually praying to us, to God, or for us, to God. He's, he actually really does want us to um, live in this joyful life as he's interceding on our behalf. And he was praying for disciples, but obviously that translates to all of us now as well. So there's four steps I talked about um, that Paul kind of alludes to um, as a way of fighting for joy in our lives. Uh, the first one comes from Philippians 1, verses Oh, verse 3. Um, the first one paraphrases, identify the things we are grateful for and give thanks for them. So be, be grateful. Um, so it says, I thank God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of you, mine for you, making all my prayers with joy. Um, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion on the day of Christ Jesus. Um, in this, obviously, Paul makes a very clear connection between being grateful and from it the joy that actually um, is produced as um, he is grateful for the people that are in his life and have been in his life. Um, the same way that we also need to do that in our lives for the good we have and for who Jesus is to us. Um, this next bit, I got permission to share the story. It only happened three or four days ago. Um, but... We had Julie come to babysit for us the other night as Livy and I were both going out. And as parents, if you know someone comes to babysit, there's kind of this 15 to 20 minute window of handover, right? You've got to explain where the kids are up to, if they're eating, sleeping, what's going on, and allow the kids to settle into the new person looking after them for a few hours' time. And um, we were doing that. And then in the middle of that, this alarm kind of sounds. And I was like, oh, this is weird. It's got an alarm going. And it was Julie. She 
and she goes, um, oh, that means it's time to praise Jesus. And it, for a, a minute or so, to me, she just wanders off with white on her hip and just thanks God for things in her life. Nothing holier out there, just thanks God that I'm here with the bars of these and I've got this. Um, bits and pieces, and I found that very tactful that she was actually thanking God for us because we were the only ones in her presence, so that was a was good, good choice on her part. Um, so, yeah, they were, they were very simple, and they were very honest prayers to God, and she, oh, I've got my slides in the wrong way. One second, team. Yeah, there it is. Um, yeah, and upon reflecting on this, um, to me, what she was doing as I was kind of having my mind thinking in this way was that she was actually realigning her heart with the goodness of God and fighting for um, her attention to be captured by the goodness that God had produced in her life rather than her attention to be altered by what life thought was a good thing. Um, in Luke 17, there's a very famous story of the 10 lepers, um, 10 people suffering from leprosy, which is a skin condition, bacterial, meaning that they had to be isolated from anyone. Uh, and everyone, sorry, unless it was another leper themselves. Um, these 10 people obviously needed Jesus' help because there's no cure for it. And from a distance, they call um, for Jesus' mercy and his help. And Jesus' response then was, go and show yourselves to the priests. On the w- and on the way to the priests, they were healed. One of them realized it was Jesus. And I assumed there was a conversation saying, hey, this must have been that guy. Let's go back. But for whatever reason, it was just one guy that ended up going back. Um, and Jesus, when he gets to Jesus, he's giving thanks, he's on his knees, and Jesus' first response to him is, where were the other nine that were healed? Um, This first response to me shows that Jesus actually expects us to have grateful hearts and to be grateful and verbally give thanks for um, the good in our lives, as we should. And secondly, he says, rise and go, your faith has made you well. And theologians actually expect this to mean that Jesus has done an extra internal healing in this man, whereas the other nine, they may be externally and physically healed, but on the inside, they're actually still broken, um, which shows that the power, the power of gratitude that God has is, is wonderful, and it's huge when it's actually directed to where it should go, which is towards Jesus. Um, the second one, uh, from Philippians 4, verse 10, um, don't put the source of your joy in external things. Um, it says, I rejoice in the, greatly in the Lord, that at least you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, we're concerned, but you had show it. And I'm not saying this because I am for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstance. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in every and any and every situation, whether well fed or hungry, whether living in fear and want, for I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Um, in other words, enjoy the blessing that you get. It's great. It's so awesome to receive a promotion or a bonus or a vacation or to be married to the person of your dreams. Those things are wonderful and enjoy them, but don't let them be the only source of your blessing. Um, Yeah, let it be something that we give thanks to God for and let his joy actually come through those things. Um, We've all heard that phrase that comparison is the thief of joy, um, where we can so easily assess what others have and think we need more or better to satisfy our need. But that's so untrue, as we all know. Um, I remember when we got our car we have now, we were coming back from Wellington, and we were driving at the time, this real dunger. It, every time we went to drive it, I would have that moment of, oh, is it going to start? Is it going to work properly? 
and uh, before we, uh, we managed to have the funds from a sale of our house coming here, and I remember think, thinking three things just before we got it, thinking, wow, thank you, God, that we actually had the ability to buy this car. Then number two, just as we bought it, wow, this is so unreal that we actually can have this car. And then after a month of driving it, I noticed all the other SUVs in the chair above thinking, maybe I need one of those. <laughs> and, yeah. and in that month, it was so easy for my heart to be changed from grateful gratitude to I need something more that I don't actually need. And I needed to be constantly, and we all need to be constantly thanking God for the things in our lives. Otherwise, we can alter to think we need more or better. Um, the third one is from next slide. Philippians 2, verse 2 to 4. Joy is actually found in others and our own actions towards them. It's complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more, signif- uh, more significant than yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Um, I heard a talk from Steve Bain, is that right? Yeah, and he talked about a um, study that was done in 2008 in New Zealand, actually, by the Economics Foundation, and they released their findings, obviously, that's what happens when a study is done. Um, the results reflected on the study on well-being that a life in service to others increases your life expectancy. That's awesome. And an individual is more likely to have greater self-esteem, greater self-worth than others who do not practice being selfless. Which is amazing, because what do you know, Jesus actually talked about all those things about 2,000 years ago, and modern science is actually just catching up to what he was talking about. Um, And obviously being in partnership with with others as reflected by um, the statement Jesus and the study Obviously, um, we will find better health and greater access to joy. Um, so for us, the way I think about that is that we need to consider who we hang out with. Are we hanging out with joyful people or joyless people? Do we need to add a few more joyful people into the mix to um, make sure we're not having our own joy sapped away? Or, and maybe you're, a, you're a, a Christian and you don't hang out with other Christians outside of church. Maybe you need to consider doing that. It's another great way of having Jesus' love it and put it into your lives. And then out of that, also be selfless towards others in need and notice how um, the joy will build and fruit will come from that um, when you do that. Then the last one, quite obvious and quite simple to most, is to keep seeking Jesus. Um, Philippians 3 verse 7 to 8 says, "What but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, very American word, (laughs) may gain Christ and be found in him. Um, This obviously points to the great treasure that we have in Christ and how his treasure treasure far surpasses the riches that we can obtain here on earth. Um, This isn't to say that everything is garbage in life that we can experience. Some things are wonderful and beautiful, um, but when you compare that to what God's got for us, everything pales in comparison. Um, As I said, I've done this very thing before. We've prioritized earthly riches. um, And I've also wanted the fruit of the Spirit at the same time without putting any effort into the vine or what the vine is planted in and seeking his goodness. So my encouragement to you guys is that I want uh, to give you is to stop wishing for the fruits of the Spirit, but to actually work on your relationship with Jesus, work on the vine that you're attached to and allow him to produce the fruits through you. I think Nick just said it before. Um, Lord, make us a conduit for you. 
So we are attached to him and from us, with God flowing through us, we'll have those fruits of the Spirit. Um, yeah, and encourage you to fight for joy. So the last slide, I'll just recap those. Um, one, the first one is to practice gratitude. I encourage you to implement something into your day um, to thank God for the goodness in your life or to thank God for who he is in your life. Um, whether it's an alarm to remind you, that's cool. Um, if you're a journaler, write it down and you can reflect upon it. If you, by doing it at the start of any time you spend with Jesus, starting with gratitude and operating out of that place. Um, number two, not to put the source of our joy in external things. Um, let the blessing make you happy, um, but don't let them become the root of our joy, uh, for that comes from Jesus. And number three, uh, recognizing that joy comes from being with others and practice giving. Well, I rephrased it between the two things, but it's about the same thing. Um, live a selfless life in service to others and see how God will produce this, our, his fruit through that. I'm giving myself tongue twisters all day. And finally, the last one, keep seeking Jesus before all others and remain in him. Attach yourself to his vine and let him work through you and produce his fruit, which doesn't actually spoil at all. So I'll leave you with the last line, which goes back to that Latin phrase from Philippians 4.4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I'll say rejoice. <laughs>